Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual path of yoga, which is the ancient science of self and God-realization. Yoga is a very familiar Sanskrit word today, but not everyone is aware of its philosophical roots and its deep meaning, which points to oneness, union, or unity. This means this bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously rest in our essential nature, to to know what we are, to be restored to our original wholeness. It is... Yoga is abiding in the conscious awareness of our true self. It is self-realization. It is not just knowing this spiritual nature, but learning to live in harmony with it. And that is really our focus today as we continue in this series looking at yoga and ecology. And today's topic is green yoga, ancient practices and contemporary activism come together. So we're looking at how our practices of yoga can enhance our ecological Awareness And joining us today is Dr. Laura Cornell. Laura is a scholar and workshop leader who empowers women especially to connect with their bodies and the wisdom of their hearts so they can heal themselves and the earth. And she is the founder of the Green Yoga Association, which pioneers a national movement towards greening yoga studios, um, bringing um, such consciousness as uh, to get non-toxic yoga mats and uh, the awareness of nature in yoga. Laura is the author of The Moon Salutation, Expression of the Feminine Body, Psyche, and Spirit. She holds a PhD in Religion and Philosophy 
from California Institute of Integral Studies and is the lead faculty of CIIS Yoga Philosophy Certificate Program. She received Kripalu Yoga Teacher Certification in 1995, Integrative Yoga Therapy Training in 1997, and a Yoga Teacher Mentoring Certificate in 2003. Laura has led workshops at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, the Yoga Philosophy Program of Loyola Marymount University, and the Integral Yoga Teacher's Conference and the MC Meta Center and Mahatma Gandhi Peace Center in India. Her research on wiz- on women, published in the book The Moon Salutation, uh, won a Distinguished Service Award from the Kripalu Yoga Teachers Association. To find out more about Laura's work, you can visit her website, divinefeminineyoga.com, or about the Green Yoga Association, that's greenyoga.org. Welcome, Dr. Cornell. I'm delighted to have you join me on the Yoga Hour today. Thank you, Ellen. It's wonderful to be here. Really nice to be with you. Yeah. Thank and you. I, open, I love your introduction. We're here to open to the infinite. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, we'll take a moment <laughs> to, uh, to dive into that before we yeah. um, enter into our conversation. So let's just um, begin with a moment of centering meditation. Let us open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, one reality called by many names that is the source and the substance of all that is. So we know that right where we are, right here, right now, this divine reality is present. As you, as me, as everyone, as everything, it is within us, around us, between us. So in this moment, just let your breath guide you within. And as you breathe in, feel as if you're diving into the ocean of the infinite. And as you breathe out, feel as if you're letting go. Letting go of clinging to any thoughts, feelings. Just letting them all pass. And in this moment, being completely present. And as we rest in this moment, we can become aware of thoughts and feelings, that we are witnessing them, and that this witnessing is our essential nature, unmoving, unchanging, conscious eternally, and as we touch that essence of our being, we can discover peace, peace that is always within us and always available, peace emanating from this essence of our being that pervades the mental field the emotional nature, 
the physical body. And in a moment of meditation like this, as we conclude, we always want to inwardly intend, make an intention to take this peace with us wherever we go. As Parmans Yogananda said, you have portable peace that you can take with you and share that peace with all that you meet. In this first segment of our program today, we take a look at green yoga, what, what that could mean. The Vedic roots of yoga have always included a strong emphasis um, with reverence for the earth as sacred, and there are many practices that we can draw from the yoga tradition that support us in having a harmonious and respectful relationship with the earth. Yoga is, after all, oneness, so that connects us to all that is. But when the teachings of yoga came to the West, um, this part of reverence for the earth, um, this part of the yoga tradition was not so much emphasized. But today we're, we're seeing it arise, um, and perhaps due to this urgent need of ecological awareness, this, this opening of our global mind, to our connection to the earth, Um, beginning to see yoga, the spiritual path and practice that helps us make this um, connection to the earth. And um, so we're looking at how to bring forth this element in yoga teachings um, in a more accessible way today. And uh, Laura, you did a considerable amount of research about the roots of ecological thinking and practice in yoga. And um, just to begin, you know, what did you what did you discover? You know, what would you pull out as the as the gem of your uh, research as we begin this morning? Thank you, Alan. Yes, I think as, as you said somewhere in your introduction, um, one of the things that I really found was in a way all yoga is green yoga or all yoga is about oneness and unity and interconnection. So that Vedic idea that we are all connected um, really became clearer and clearer. You know, when I started the project, I really didn't know what I would find. I didn't know what the ecological roots of yoga were, but I was guided in meditation. It was actually a, um, an answer to prayer. When I was getting ready for my dissertation research, I asked what topic to pick in prayer, and I got a very clear and surprising uh, vision of a tree with the ecological roots in the pre-Vedic soil of India, and then the trunk coming through the classical period with the, the texts and the scriptures, and the branches today in the world um, so vital and alive in all the different branches of yoga and the way, many different ways that we see yoga being practiced today. And there was a, um, a very clear message, I want you to help bring the ecological roots of yoga into the present. Mm. And, yeah, and I didn't even know what that was. 
It, it, it was a vision. It was a vision. And, and thinking about, you know, we have a, a seminary at our center, and many of the students are involved in their, their dissertation, well, their master's thesis projects right now. And <clears throat> how wonderful to hear about how your topic can come to you um, in that way. So I'm sure that many are listening today thinking, oh, that's great to have that kind of inspiration. And and it, and you're, from, from looking at um, the writings about your work, you're research um, then you, you took it into some collaborative projects with other yoga teachers to then explore yeah. um, yoga and ecology which led um, to the formation of the Green Yoga Association and um, what I discovered in in my research about, about your research <laughs> is that um, you, working together with these other yoga teachers you, you came up with a, a Green Yoga Values State and um, I want to just tell our listeners that this is available to you through Laura's website at divinefeminine.com. And um, th- this value statement I found to be just a great um, kind of jumping off place for a conversation about uh, yoga and uh, ecological values. So let me just read first from the introduction to the value statement, and then what I'd like to do is is talk with you about the five agreements or points of practice that are there in that value statement. So in the introduction, it says, the health of our bodies depends on clean air, clean water, and clean food. Yoga is grounded in an understanding of this interconnection. Historically, yoga developed in the context of a close relationship with the earth and cosmos and a profound reverence for animals, plants, soil, water, and air. This reverence towards life is the basis of the yogic teaching of ahimsa or non-violence, non-injury, and non-harming. Today, the viability of Earth's life systems is in danger. If humanity is to survive and thrive, we must learn to live in balance with nature. Now is the time to cleanse and heal the Earth and to establish a sustainable relationship with the environment for generations to come. So, these uh, five points of practice then follow um, beginning with Uh, The first one, educate ourselves about the needs of the biosphere as a whole and our local ecosystems in particular. So, you know, what what are some examples of what um, yogis are doing to incorporate environmental education along with uh, yoga? Yeah, yeah, great, Ellen. I just want to be clear on the URL where this is available, where people can get um, what you mentioned. Um, If you go to Divine... And I'll answer the question. If you go to divinefeminineyoga.com, so divinefeminineyoga.com forward slash green dash yoga dash gift. And then there's a, uh, an ebook. It's It's quite full, and it has the eight paths of green yoga, which we may be discussing on this hour, as well as it starts with the value statement that you just read so so beautifully. So that's uh, divinefeminineyoga.com forward slash green dash yoga dash gift. So, okay. Ah, yes, I love the value statement. I love getting back to it and connecting with it again. And um, yeah, so one of the things that that I found in the, in the research was that in the yoga tradition, it was very much about a connection between the person and their natural environment. Um, there's so much more we could talk about that. 
but just briefly, I realized that we can do that right now, right here where we are. So the, the point that you read, which is connecting with our natural environment, means something as simple as going outside. A tree is right out the window, and connecting with that in the morning and feeling the spiritual presence of that tree as a being, as a gift in your life. This is something that they do in India. They will tell you the stories of the trees, the myths of the trees, and um, sometimes paint the trees with, with the red paint and uh, decorate them. And, and I find that a lot of us in this world, we don't even know what our local trees are. So one of the things that I did when I was doing this research was I went on a... Um, I joined a group called um, Bay Area Nature, and it was about going to very local places on one Saturday a month and immersing yourself in the natural environment with a naturalist. And I came to know the different oak species, for example, that are native to this part of Northern California, and I hadn't even known that before. And so <laughs> I began to feel this um, love for the trees and... Mm -hmm. The, some, it was like the miracle of a tree that it comes and there's this baby leaf that unfolds and the wisdom of it that every leaf on that tree has the same pattern and yet is incredibly unique. And the moment when you, you get it, how amazing and what a miracle that is. And there's something about connecting locally that makes that possible. You know, it really does, and it is uh, amazing, as you say, you know, how far we have gotten in our, in, in our Western culture anyway from directly connecting with nature. Um, I mean, uh, to me, you know, sometimes I, I think, okay, well, what phase is the moon in? <laughs> you know, do, do I really yeah, yeah, yeah. even, do I even pay attention to that and, and, um, <clears throat> Uh, when we had uh, Earth Day recently, we, our center is located on an acre of land, and it's in the heart of Silicon Valley in the city, but it is a, just like a little oasis, and um, it, it, it's a beautiful, lush environment right in the middle of the city, and there, the property is filled with trees, so we did tours on Earth Day of, of, of the meditation gardens and um, helped people um, meet the trees, you know, and learn about all the different variety of the trees. And we have a, a living tree in our temple, but um, it's so big that only the the trunk of the tree actually shows in the temple itself. And, and so um, what, we, what we discovered that was just astonishing is that many people who have come there for months and even for years had actually yeah. never... This is amazing. Never looked outside of the temple to yeah. the roof and beyond to see the crown of the tree. It, well, you know, the Buddha, <laughs> I just, the Buddha is amazing. It's a great story here from the life of the Buddha, who was, of course, a, a beautiful yogi. And he, um, when he sat down and determined to become enlightened, to become awake, he had a companion. It was a tree. And it, when he, woke, when he stood up the next morning, he, before he went to teach, he faced the tree and with gratitude and love for a full week mm. and then turned to face a different tree that was in that same circle. 
Oh, that's beautiful. And of course, there's the included in the story of his of his journey is um, the act of touching the earth yes. Um, yes. as his yes. as his witness. And it's time yes. for us to go to a break now. But when we come back, we're going to um, take a look at the other uh, four agreements or practices that are in this. Um, Green Yoga Values Statement. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Dr. Laura Cornell, and we'll be right back with you. Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. Do you sometimes feel as though the door to happiness has closed and there's no other door in sight? In her book, Ask Yourself This... Unity Minister Wendy Craig Purcell reminds us that Everything happens for a reason. We've all experienced situations which felt like anything but good. We may have lost our job or gone through a divorce or experienced some other dark night of the soul. Yet those very experiences, when met spiritually, can lead us to a much greater good. The lost job, can be what finally motivates us to discover the work that truly feeds our soul. The ending of a marriage can trigger us to do the emotional healing and personal growth work we've been avoiding for years. Every one of us can look back at negative or painful experiences in our lives and say that they turned out to be the best, worst things that ever happened to us. For more insight from Wendy Craig Purcell, read Ask Yourself This from Unity House Books. If you're focused on getting the right answers, Ask Yourself This emphasizes the importance of asking the right questions. Order your copy today at www.unity.org. Unity Online Radio is turning five this year, and we're throwing the biggest bash of all. A cruise to the Caribbean, November 10th through 17th, 2012. We'll celebrate in style aboard Holland America Line's Eurodam, with sunshine, fine dining, and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the Eastern Caribbean. Plus, feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation. Your favorite host will be there. And we hope you join us, too, as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, go to www.unity.fm slash cruise. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Dr. Laura Cornell. 
And um, before the break, we were taking a look at the Green Yoga Values Statement that um, was part of the um, beginning of the uh, formation of the Green Yoga Association. And we we began with their first point. They have five um, agreements or points of practice uh, for bringing uh, yoga and ecological consciousness together. And the first point was about educating ourselves about about our environment, you know, just just becoming aware of, you know, where we live and, you know, connecting ourselves to the earth um, around us. I think, you know, just shutting off our um, electronic devices for a little while and, <laughs> and getting into real reality instead of virtual. So the second... Um, agreement or point of practice says to cultivate an appreciation for and conscious connection with the natural environments in which we live, including animals, plants, soil, water, and air. So, Laura, how have you, in this work that you've been doing with uh, yogis and uh, yoga studios, how have you seen yoga practitioners enhancing their appreciation for nature? Um, How do you see that showing up? Well, it shows up in a lot of ways. I think that um, on the one hand, we do see still the prevalence of the um, kind of boxed-in yoga class where we're um, in a yoga studio. But I think so many practitioners and teachers are talking about um, connection for the planet, as uh, connection with the planet as part of yoga. And you see many, many outdoor yoga retreats, nature and yoga retreats, yoga and hiking, yoga um, in beautiful places, excuse me, such as the beach. But when when we were uh, having our Green Studios pilot, and now there's, I believe, it's like 250 or more studios that are in the Green Studios program of the Green Yoga Association, um, a lot of the studios that we were partnering with were working very hard to minimize their... Um, the way that they were, for example, using paper. So for me, that's the, the tree. That's the relationship with the tree. Um, they might be having towels in their bathroom instead of paper towels, or the minimizing water use, or minimizing electricity and having maybe um, radiant heat or some kind of thing like that. Um, but also partnering with nonprofits and doing some um, work. We had. Um, tree plantings with yogis, um, working in botanical gardens, working with um, Save Mount Diablo, for example, one of the studios. But many of the studios were showing environmental videos and having discussions in that way. And you see a lot of um, places like, for example, Meta Earth, which is um, Jillian and Russell Comstock, would just be one example of a place that combines permaculture with um, permaculture with yoga. And I think that a lot of yogis and yoginis are leaders in the movement of slowing down and connecting with the elements right where we are because connecting with the elements is one of the first yoga practices actually. And purifying the elements, you can have just a lump of clay and recognize that the elements that are in the planet of earth and water and air are also the same elements that are in our body. And once we start to recognize that connection, it really builds the reverence. 
So mm-hmm. you can meditate on the elements, and this is one of the things that has been taught in the uh, Green Yoga Leadership Training Program, which is offered um, from, by Green Yoga Association and Chris Chapel at Loyola Marymount. And um, that focusing on the elements is one of the things that they really teach. Mm, yeah, that's such a, a beautiful, beautiful practice. Um, we we um, immersed ourselves a little in that when we were um, on meditation retreat, and it really does uh, quiet the mind and um, help you make a deeper connection. The things that you've mentioned, Laura, um, really just um, fit right in with the third um, practice or value, which is include care for the environment in our discussion of of yogic um, ethical practices. So, of course, you know, when we're teaching the philosophy of yoga uh, and uh, talking about the yamas and niyamas, this is a very um, natural way to make a connection between philosophy uh, yoga philosophy practice and ecological awareness. And, you know, I did notice, I, I wrote um, the basic practice book for our spiritual community over a decade ago, and we're still using that um, book today. But when I look at it, I'm, I'm very aware that there's so much more that I could bring in now a decade later that would really support this this kind of awareness and it, and it points out to me you know how how that has um, grown um, my own awareness and um, you know culturally we're, we're seeing this kind of of awakening um, and the last um, the last one commit ourselves to policies products and actions that minimize environmental harm and maximize envi- environmental benefit um, and this really seems to be an area of housekeeping where uh, green yoga has had a very profound influence, um, particularly with your research about yoga mats and water bottles. So maybe you could just take a moment to t- tell us about that. Yeah. Well, um, you know, of course, I began with this in 2001, and at that time... There was very little awareness, and in some ways we still have a long way to go on this, but we did make some headway, um, of the problems with the most common material used for yoga mats, which is polyvinyl chloride. And so um, someone pointed out to me, you know, Laura, everyone walks around with this symbol of the yoga mat under their arm as they're walking to class, and, you know, look at that. So I began to study... This was in 2002, 2003, what is in polyvinyl chloride. And um, really reading about plastic will break your heart open, um, what's happening in the oceans, what's happening with the different toxins that are released. And polyvinyl chloride is, of course, problematic in its base material. If there's a fire, then dioxin is released into that environment or even in the factories where it's created is, is, is a problem in those areas of Louisiana or China or wherever the factory is. But also there's additives in the plastic that will come off on your hands um, and that include things like phthalates and heavy metals and are particularly a problem for children or pregnant women. And it was hard reading about all this and seeing them everywhere. Mm, (laughs) They were everywhere. They still are. And um, when I began to read about this, 
the first thing I decided was not to ever buy another polyvinyl chloride mat. And the second thing was not to practice on one. For so while I practiced on a cloth mat or a cotton mat or the bare floor, you know, uh, ancient yogis would practice on a mud floor or tiger skin or wherever they were, really. They didn't have polyvinyl chloride plastic. And so then we began to look at what the alternatives were and what was recommended from the environmentalists that I was talking with was rubber. And so we actually became, the, the Green Yoga Association became the uh, distributor for a, a beautiful mat made in England, um, the Eco Yoga Mat, and it had all natural additives. And um, we distributed it for several years, I think from 2004 until 2007. And now it's distributed through uh, Barefoot Yoga. And, um, <clears throat> but really, you know, we sold 10,000 yoga mats through my living room as somebody who was really <laughs> learning about business and didn't know that much at that, po- at that time about it. And so um, 10,000 might sound like a lot, but it's actually a very small number compared to the number of people practicing yoga. And what I think was bigger change was that through our education and going to yoga journal conferences and handing out information about this, there began to be more articles. And a little bit of awareness in studios began to carry non-toxic mats, and it spurred the industry so that now pretty much every company that makes yoga mats has at least one non-toxic alternative in their line. Mm-hmm. I would still love to see us get at least pregnant women and children off of polyvinyl chloride, and that's not the case. But um, the awareness is out there that there needs to be an option, and that's the beginning of the change. That is such a beautiful example of, you know, what can happen when we, when we start to um, be aware and commit ourselves um, to make uh, real change. Um, you know, we've, we've had some similar um, experiences in, in our center where, um, you know, our, our values required us uh, to look deeply, you know, at our practices. You know, there was a time, you know, when we held classes or seminars when we would have um, plastic water bottles, you know, because that was convenient. And, you know, and yeah. then when you, when you start to make a change, you know, you, you, you come up against, um, you know, resistance um, to change, you know, your own and that of other people, you know, I remember it was like, well, okay, well, how do we provide, you know, water for 30 members in the choir, you know, for example, <laughs> when they're performing, if we don't use plastic water bottles. So, so we had to have some very creative conversations about, um, about how to do that. And um, I, I think that's a task um, before us. And, you know, but one of the questions I have for you is, you know, I found in my own life, you know, that, you know, once awareness arises like this, like, okay, this is not a healthy choice, you know, we need to do something mm-hmm. different, um, that mm-hmm. it, it can sometimes be overwhelming, you know, when we, mm-hmm. when we start to look at, you know, how many um, things connected to our life and well-being are actually not healthy and, you know, need to change. So, you know, what is your experience with helping people, you know, not be... Um, too overwhelmed by the immensity of this task of of greening our lives? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, then this always comes up, and it's so powerful. And I find that this is where the real yoga starts, which is that can we practice satya? Can we be truthful about what's happening in our lives 
without violence to ourselves, without beating ourselves up. And that's really hard for a lot of us because we are raised with guilt and shame kind of wired into us. Um, and so for me, this is the real yoga. It's like, can we courageously look at the world and can we say, this is an area I'd like to change? Can we open our hearts and love to yeah. change without blaming ourselves for the ways we're not able to change yet? Mm, yeah, and and that's a very delicate balance for people. And so um, it's really about love. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think about, as we as we connect with that love, at least it's been my experience that as we connect with that love, that um, there's a grace that comes, you know. And because what we're doing is in harmony with the good of all, um, there is that power and that presence. Thankfully, <laughs> that yoga is really about that 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 provides. Um, what is needed, but it is that that kind of warrior stance, really. Yeah. You know, initially, yeah. of you know, becoming aware and saying, "Oh, this is not working." You know, now what do we do? But I, but I have found, you know, if we can hold fast in that warrior stance um, of you know, staying, keeping our hearts open, right, and realizing that there's a challenge, then life itself, as we participate in it, does seem to bring forth the support that's needed. And and um, I just want to um, vocalize your, your last point in this um, values statement, which is that if we are yoga teachers or centers, we will incorporate these commitments into our work with students. And that one, of course, seems to be just really an outpicturing of the first four that, you know, we practice it ourselves and, and then we pass it on. Um, mm-hmm. We have a, a few minutes left in this segment, and I, I would like to begin just touching in with you on um, the various avenues of yoga and their green roots. You know, you started uh, in the first segment with the vision that you had when you began your mm-hmm. research of seeing that this traditional paths of yoga um, have always had these roots that support us in being environmentally aware and ecologically responsible. So let's take a few minutes now to just touch on um, some of the traditional paths, um, starting with wisdom, yeah. with jnana yoga. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, did, what did you see there as you, as you look through this ecological lens? Yeah. Well, this was one of the things that happened as I was doing my research and wanting to have a way to organize. I hear a little echo. I'm going to try a different line here. Um, Let me see if this is any better. Oh, that is better. Nope, not quite. So what I looked at was the traditional path. I saw that the work that we had done in the collaborative group, because I did, as you mentioned, bring together a group of other yoga teachers for a collaborative research project, and then met many more people as it began to grow with the value statement, and we were reaching out and meeting other yogis and had the two green yoga conferences. And um, what I saw was that all of the work fit into the traditional paths of yoga, and plus a few more, which we can get to. But the yana yoga, this is the wisdom, yes. And what yana yoga says is that there's really not, there's really only one reality, And as you talked about at the beginning, that's the infinite that we open into. And then this material world, this creation that we live in, this beautiful, shakti-filled, life-filled cosmos planet, all the stars and our planet and everything on it, 
is not separate from that one from that divine oneness. It all outpictures from light and from love. And so that's really also the ecological worldview of the web of life that you can't take one you can't leave one piece of trash on one island without it affecting the entire planet in a way. So that's really the whole idea of the web of life completely rooted into the spirituality of yoga. Absolutely. That, that is a beautiful vision, isn't it, of that interconnection of all. And with Jnana Yoga, the path of wisdom, we, we start with that affirmation of one reality um, that is the source and the substance, really, of all that is. It's time for us to take a break. And, and when we get back, we're going to um, take a journey through the other uh, traditional paths of yoga and also touch on uh, a couple of... Um, um, new branches that that Laura is nurturing um, to bring forth in our awareness to enhance this ecological heart and mind in our times. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Dr. Laura Cornell. Her website is divinefeminineyoga.com, and we'll be right back with you. wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's Seven Habits for a Healthy Life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. Ever have those days when you think life isn't all that you thought it could be? Well, it's our thinking that creates the canvas of our life's masterpiece. When we are ready and willing to step into a new way of thinking, our world literally begins to shift and grow into something bigger and brighter than we ever imagined. Hi, I'm Jamie Sanders, host of Spirituality Today here on the Unity Online Radio Network. Be sure to join us every Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern to hear in-depth conversations with leading teachers, authors, and musicians in the world of spirituality and new thought. Listen in and open up Spirituality Today, where life keeps getting better and better. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and I'm joined today by Dr. Laura Cornell. And this uh, concluding segment, we're exploring um, connecting the avenues of yoga with their green roots. And the last segment, 
Um, we talked about wisdom yoga, jnana yoga, looking at um, through the the lens with ecological um, awareness. You know, what do we see, and um, you know what. What we want to look at next, of course, um, is bhakti yoga. And really, Laura, you touched on that a little bit already, you know, when you were just describing the, the oneness and, and, and the heart, um, the shakti that's present. So, um, anything else you would like to say about bhakti yoga and ecological awareness? Well, of course, um, bhakti yoga, like jnana yoga, is one of the main paths of yoga described in the Bhagavad Gita. And, I mean, honestly, there's so much bhakti or love for nature expressed in India even today. Um, when I was in India, for example, went to Mount Arunachala, which is where the Saint Ramana Maharshi had gone and fallen in love with that mountain. I mean, literally, he fell in love at age 16 with this mountain, Mount Arunachala, and vowed never to, lit, never to leave. And it was literally the idea that that mountain was the body of God, the body of Shiva for him. And I, it's very hard for us even <clears throat> in the United States to fathom of thinking of a mountain as so sacred, but that is the sense there. And people, pilgrims will go and walk around the mountain or walk on and up the mountain. And uh, Ramatirtha falling in love with the, the rivers of India and calling them like the veins of his body so this this profound sense of love for for trees and plants and one night when I was in India I had a a fever and I was having trouble sleeping and the mosquitoes were keeping me awake and in the morning my host said oh they were singing to you <laughs> and he was not trying to tease me he was not uh-huh. being facetious he meant it uh-huh. he loved yeah. those mosquitoes yeah, and it, it's yeah. true. There is that lovely awareness of the interconnection of it all and the sacredness of it all. And I think with bhakti yoga, um, you know, one of the elements that comes in is ritual. And um, and so, you know, connecting the things that we do as practice as as part of our our worship you know and so you know we water our plants um we we feed our cats or dogs or birds um there are just many simple things that we do um that you know we could begin i think to translate more you know into worship instead of having worship be something that we do only in the temple um with bhakti yoga and ecological awareness we bring you know worship into our our daily lives i love that sweet yeah it's good and um and then chris we want to um touch on hatha yoga and um, yeah. you know this is this is so uh, rich <laughs> for uh, how how to support the ecological heart and mind, and and this um, is a very special area for you in your um, work in your practice. So, tell us a little bit about what you found with Hatha. Mm-hmm. So, as we're practicing in our bodies, our the postures of yoga, it's a wonderful way to become aware of sensation in our body and to become much more finely attuned. So something as basic as the orientation of our body to gravity, which is the basic pull. And Teilhard de Chardin talks about gravity as the force of love. 
So it's really this planet holding us to her with love. And you press into the earth and reach the body up towards the sky. And we're orienting to the planet, really, every time we stand directionally. And as well as to the cosmos, up, you know, with the crown of the head opening to that space and then the feet grounding into the earth. You feel, you become very sensitive when you're practicing Hatha Yoga to the movement of breath in and out, and you can become very aware of your connection with air, with the environment, this, uh, this, 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 the sphere of the air around our planet. Then there's the water. You can feel the water pooling in your mouth. As you move, you can feel um, the circulation increasing, the blood moving more through your body and the warmth. So you become very sensitive that we are <clears throat> made of earth and water and mm. fire and all those elements. But there's also the... Um, the fact that hatha yoga, in a way, doing the postures, it it uh, lowers the veils a little bit. We can feel that reverence more, but also there's more of a metaphorical connection, which is why so many of the ancient postures were named after animals and plants. So you have lotus pose at the end where you're sitting quietly, and there is that sense of being like a flower with the heart opening and flowering now, and fruiting perhaps as we finish our practice, or um, cobra, you're laying with the belly on the earth, and the, the hood starts to lift up, and there's this very profound earthiness in that mm-hmm. snake pose, and, but also this sense of beauty and majesty as the chest lifts. And, you know, we have a spine like the spine of a snake, and so connecting with there's a reason that the ancient yogis were connecting the names of the animals or plants with the postures because there's a our soul is enriched through letting the conscious mind relax a little bit and letting herself ease into our animal nature, our plant nature. We evolve with plants and we have a lot of our DNA and our experience is actually very similar to plants because we've evolved on one planet with one sun and one set of elements here on this earth. So, and there's so much that, we can learn, you know, as we as we observe nature. You know, we were talking about trees earlier and, uh, you know, just what we could learn from one tree or from one yeah. mountain, you know, as you, as you yeah. were talking about Arunachala. Um, there, there's so much just to contemplate. Um, and Hatha does open our, our hearts and our minds um, in that way as well. We, we sort of kind of touched on Raja Yoga a bit already with um, the yamas and niyamas giving us such a good um, foundation um, with for the ethical uh, philosophy and practices. You know, that's where we find um, nonviolence, harmlessness, and truthfulness, non-stealing. You know, any any one of the yamas or niyamas would give us a profound. Um, ecological practice if we if we begin to look at it through that lens and apply it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Raja Yoga, I really see, is, is transforming the individual. And it's through our individual transformation that our species is made stronger, is made more to live in balance. It's like there's a purification going on. I was reading, we actually have, you know, because people are living older, that it's transforming culture because older people are happier. But it's also that we're, we're growing spiritually individually and we're growing spiritually as a culture. And I see that as very strongly connected with Raja Yoga. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is individual awakening is is the only way that planetary awakening is going to come. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's really critical, you know, mm-hmm. that that yeah. it's it's you know, one by one by mm-hmm. one. And um, you know, on our list of traditional yogas to to touch on, we have of course still karma yoga, this path of selfless service, and and tantra yeah. yoga, which really um, points to the d- dynamic balance of masculine and feminine and oneness. But I want to um, instead just sort of leap over those two and and make sure that we have time just a couple of minutes now to talk about uh, in your research you you really wanted to lift up a couple of um, areas of practice that that you found to be so important that you named them um, the Aranyaka uh, yoga and Sangha yoga. So can, can you tell us why you did that and, and what those two um, avenues represent, this uh, Aranyaka yoga and Sangha yoga that you yeah. name? Aranyaka, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, as I said, I, we worked intuitively in our collaborative group of, of six yoga teachers, and then I began to work with, with others more widely and see what other people were doing. And, um, and so Aranyaka means forest, and what I found was that many, many um, current eco-yogis or people who are really exploring this avenue of connecting our spiritual practice with the planet um, have a whole set of practices about reconnecting with the planet, reconnecting with the forest. So going and doing yoga in a forest, going and doing yoga in a mountain, going outside and uh, meditating with a tree, meditating in a botanical garden, uh, making friends with the rose outside your window, going and doing yoga at the beach. And what I realized was that the ancient yogis and yoginis could have never imagined a world as separate from nature um, or where where nature could become so, um, gosh, not noticed. I mean, we, we can't be separate from nature. It's always around us. But where we would ignore it to the extent that we have and where our lives would become so separate from an awareness of it. And so I began to see these practices that the eco-yogis were doing as really a form of healing medicine for our time. To um, And originally, actually, in the Upanishads, the forest was considered the best place to practice yoga. And still you see a lot of retreat centers being away from the city. Now, I do like to emphasize that you can find nature right in the city and go outside and observe the ants. I mean, if you get down on your hands and knees, there's nature in every um, inch of the soil or or inch even of your floor. But um, taking time away from our busy lives to get into a more natural place, if that's going to a park or going to a um, a nature preserve or going to a retreat where there is more nature that you can just become immersed in with your senses and that this is a healing medicine to take time. And I mean, right here even in San Francisco, and I know you and I are in the same Bay Area, um, not very far from us is the San Francisco Bay, which needs to be restored and is being actively restored in so many wild places with the wild animals on the bay, the marshes, the ducks, the migrating birds, um, and 
the muscles and in the water yeah. and just taking time to be there. That's a, a healing balm. That is a yoga, actually. That is so us. beautiful that you have lifted it up and named it. And um, I'm, I'm just so grateful for the work that, that you have done and continue to do to um, bring this ecological awareness and help us connect to the roots of yoga. And, of course, you also mis- mentioned Sangha Yoga. I just want to say, because we're going to have to conclude for today, that, that this is about emphasizing um, sacred community. And, uh, of course, um, we'll have an opportunity um, for Laura to join me again on the Yoga Hour. It's been really a blessing to have this conversation today. And, um, Laura, I thank you so much uh, for joining me. I want to um, point listeners to, again to your website, divinefeminine.com. And I'd like to invite... I'm sorry, divinefemininyoga.com. Divine and there's you. a gift at divinefemininyoga backslash green-yoga-gift. Yeah, Thank you so time. much. And I want to invite uh, listeners to join me next week with a special guest, um, Pandit Rajmani Tagune, the spiritual head of the Himalayan Institute, who will be continuing this conversation about yoga, ecology, and the divine feminine. For more information about Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit our website, cscenter.org. I'll be back with you next week. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and Share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Inspiration only takes a moment. Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard shares this from his book, Good Questions. We are here to learn, 
grow, experience, savor, exalt, cherish, create, and to use our connection with that mind to make safe decisions. We are here to share, to be fruitful, and to multiply the good over and over again. Centering on the divine within, we become still and realize that whatever happens, we are still one with God. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 